0: I am so excited about this series. You know, it was in 2015 that I did a series on the Authority of the Believer, and we went about nine weeks, I think we're about eight weeks into it now, and I feel like we're barely getting started. I want to encourage you, the importance of this message for the day that we're living in is so very important. And we've talked about a lot of things over the last eight weeks. We've laid a foundation, but now we're going to start talking about the exercising of our authority. It's wonderful to know all about authority. It's wonderful to know that God's plan was that you would have authority. But it's a whole other thing to learn and how to walk and exercise authority in your life. The authority that God has given his body here on the earth in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit will do you no good unless you know how to exercise it. Amen? So let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 10. We're going to get into this some more today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You excited about this? Yeah. I'm telling you, when you learn, there's, there's an aspect. It's, it's kind of amazing because uh, you know, we, th- this message... This message that I'm preaching right now was just was just uh, preached in worship So there's already there's already revelation of this word flowing because we're going to bring out some things that you might have never heard before Luke chapter 10. Let's let's jump off here. Let's look at verse 17 So we've seen how God's original purpose was to give man authority and man was to have sovereign authority in the earth So now Jesus, he comes on the scene, starts his ministry, and now he appoints his 12 disciples. He gives them delegated authority. They go out, heal the sick, preach the kingdom. They cast out devils. Then he goes now in Luke chapter 10, and now he appoints 70 others that will go before him. Uh, Into every city that he's gonna go he tells them to preach the gospel or preach the gospel of the kingdom He tells them to heal all the sick He doesn't he doesn't tell them To cast out devils But obviously they learned from the 12 that authority in the name of jesus They had authority over these demonic powers and so they came back verse 17 the 70 returned with joy Saying lord Even the devils are subject to us in your name. So isn't that amazing? You think about, we always talk about, man, God gave man sovereign authority. But then Adam and Eve messed it up and they yielded to Satan, obeyed what he wanted them to do, and they transferred all of that authority that God gave them transferred it over to Satan and Satan became the god of this world system. So now here we go. So that was Adam, Adam to Abraham's about 2000 years, Abraham to Jesus is another 2000 years. So now 4000 years later Jesus shows up. He is all God and all man, but he lays his godly attributes down And now he goes and he's anointed by God in the River Jordan. He's baptized. The Spirit of God comes upon him. And now he goes into the wilderness. He's tempted of the devil. The devil even tempts him with this authority that the devil's been been given. He He says, Jesus, listen, if you're the Son of God, just fall down and worship me. And I'll give you all these nations. I know you're here for this. And I'll give you the glory of all of them because that was transferred to me. When? In the Garden of Eden. And and Satan says, I can give it to whoever I want. Jesus did not argue with him. He just stood up and said, no, no, Satan, you're going to worship the Lord your God and him only. Right? So now we see Satan is the God, small g, of this world system. But Jesus is on the scene He starts his earthly ministry, and the authority that Jesus delegates to these 70 and those 12 who were not born again is still greater than the authority that Satan had received from Adam and Eve. We're not even talking believers yet, we're not even talking your authority. Isn't that amazing? The 70, they found out the extent of their authority as what? They walked in this. They went out and experienced. What happened, no doubt? So they went to a city. You could just see it. And all of a sudden, they're preaching the kingdom. They're, they're laying hands on the sick in the name of Jesus. Bodies are getting healed. All of a sudden, a demon manifests, and something on the inside of them goes, wait a minute. No, 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 no. And they're like, no, you come out of him in the name of Jesus. And they're like, boom. And they're like wow that's pretty cool that's how they found this out now verse 18 when they came back they were joyous because of this verse 18 when they said this to jesus jesus responded and he said unto them i beheld satan fall as lightning from heaven We get this idea that when Satan and a third of those fallen angels fell that there was this big battle Have you ever seen lightning fall? It's it's not like You know, it's not like Satan's coming gets a few hits in God and then God kind of knocks him back a little bit and finally Satan just kind of falls out of heaven no, that's not how that battle went. Satan started talking, I'm going to be compared to the most high. I'm going to ascend above his throne. I'm going to walk in places that I'm not supposed to walk in because I'm greater than God. But then, good feeling gone, God spoke. There was no big battle. And he fell as lightning. And he was cast to the earth. It says this in, in Isaiah 14:12. See, Luke 18, 10, 18 says, I beheld Satan, Jesus is talking about before Adam and Eve. I beheld Satan fall, as, as lightning fall from heaven. Now in Isaiah 14, 12, you don't have to turn there, but it says this, how thou art, or I'm sorry, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground? This is why in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, Satan appears before God, and guess what? God's like, what have you been up to? He's like, I've been going to and fro on the earth. New Testament tells us he goes on the earth. He's walking around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's on the earth. Why? He's been cast out of heaven. He's a pre-Adamic loser. He is the biggest loser, right? So now Jesus is saying, why did he say this? I beheld Satan fall from heaven as lightning. Why did he say that? He is telling them the reason why you, 70, have been given authority, why these demons are subject to you, is because Satan is already defeated. That's why he said that. He said, listen, you've got to know, and I'm telling you in 2021, church, you have to know this. Satan is already defeated. He's not going to be. He's already defeated. Right? It's just going to get worse from him, for him. He'll be thrown in the bottomless pit here after the seven-year tribulation. He'll get out just for a short season. And then he'll be cast forever into the lake of fire. What a great and glorious day that will be, right? So when Jesus said this, when he said, I beheld Satan fall from heaven, I can't tell you enough. He was saying Satan is already defeated. Do you know when he made that statement to the 70? He was, Satan was still the god of the world system. But he's already defeated. This is huge. You have to know this. In other words, Satan is a defeated foe. What is he? He literally is an illegal occupier. He occupies God's territory illegally. He operates as an outlaw. That's why... He has no legal right to put sickness on your body, but he will, if you let him. Or he'll just attack you for no reason at all. But know this, if you have symptoms in your body, you have the authority in the name of Jesus to get those symptoms out of your body, and all of heaven is behind you. If you have poverty and lack in your life in any way, you have already been redeemed from that. He can't keep that in your life. He can't have your kids he can't ruin your life you have to know that why because he's an illegal occupier of god's territory he works as an outlaw and we have authority to keep him out all right verse 19 after jesus said that he said behold i give you power remember excusia I give you delegated authority over all the power. This second word power means literally ability. So Jesus said to the 70, behold, I have given you delegated authority over all the ability of the enemy. Wow. Isn't that amazing? Well, what do you do with that authority? Well, let's read the middle part of that. I give you delegated authority to tread. That word tread means to have absolute mastery over serpents and scorpions, which is a type of the whole satanic hierarchy. Jesus is saying, guys, I've given you delegated authority. How? In the name of Jesus to have complete mastery Over all devils, all demons, over Satan himself, over all the power, all the ability of the enemy. And then he finishes up and saying, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. 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 Well, I'll tell you, you need to walk in that. You don't walk in it automatically. Remember, we're talking. You have to know who you are. You have to stay on your path. As we're going to see in the exercise of authority, it all will come down to obedience to the Word of God. You have to walk in obedience to the Word. Because as we said last week, if you're yielding to Satan or these demonic influences, you can't exercise authority over them. And you know, last week I mentioned some things. We looked at Luke 14. We didn't go super into it. Because... This is not the time. And it's so funny. And the Lord spoke to me about that. Remember how I said, you know, Jesus cast out a dumb spirit and then the woman could talk, right? And we made this statement, whatever evil spirit influence that you yield to, you will begin to exhibit the characteristics of that spirit. When I made that statement, Boy, you should have saw your faces. Wow. I just learned something new. Time out. Don't go too deep into that. Keep your eye on the ball. You don't have to know all about this stuff to use authority. Here's the message. Here's the message. Don't, because you start thinking, wow, this spirit is this and that. You know, years and years ago when our church was really early... There was a lady, she had so much emotional turmoil, her and her husband, wonderful people, Christian people. But, but you know, she left our church to go to another church because she had to go. They, this other church went deeper into the deeper things of God. They would explain the names of every demon behind every sickness and every... No, 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 no. The Bible says give no place Here's what you say to Satan. Shut up and get out. That's it. So this is what you want to pull from that last week. It's great to know how he operates. It's great to know that I am no longer ever yielding to this stuff. But don't worry about... (laughs) Don't worry about knowing all the little things about that, right? Hallelujah. Behold, I give you delegated authority... To have complete mastery over the whole satanic, over demons, the satanic uh, hierarchy, serpents, scorpions, and over all, all the ability of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Boy, if things have hurt you in the past, just draw a line in the sand and say, No more. Right? Say that with me, No more. No more. No more. No more defiant i'm just defiant no more satan right that's what the spirit of faith does it will cause you to never shut up and never give up and never put up with anything that satan's doing that's what it that's what happens verse 20 luke 10 20 notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you but rather rejoice Because your names are written in heaven. Don't spend any time rejoicing that this defeated foe is subject to you in the name of Jesus. Right? I've seen that. Man, you know, somebody deals with some kind of demonic thing and they go to church the next Sunday and they've just got their chest out. You know, I just kind of... I'm a man of God. Oh my gosh. If you can see how... Little, how none of you casting out that demon had to do with your authority. It's all him, right? Amen. The seven sons of Sceva, if, you, if they ever made it to heaven, they probably, you know, uh, they probably could tell talk to you about that a little bit. You know, because you don't want some demon looking at you and going, "Hey, you know, Jesus, I know Paul, I know, but hey, uh, Tony, I don't know who you are, dude, and you're in trouble right now, right?" But no more, no more. So let's talk about something that's very important in the exercise of our authority. There's a big controversy about the authority of the believer in the body of Christ. And this is the controversy. That God gave delegated authority, maybe to Adam and Eve, but they lost it. That God gave delegated authority to the twelve, but the twelve aren't here anymore. That God gave authority to the 70, but the 70, they're in heaven too. But don't you be thinking you have authority? Now we don't now now we're sitting at Faith Family Church. You guys have been biblically taught, unless and not religiously brainwashed. But that's the controversy. Well, who do you think you are? Right? Do you know much of the body of Christ? They don't even know. You mentioned demon, and they're freaked out. Right? We have to know that, listen, God's initial plan, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it to you. And God said, let us make man after our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion. After God created everything, he creates man, and then he gives them dominion. The right and power to rule and to govern, or in other words, you can translate that, sovereign authority. Over what? The fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over everything, every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. God's purpose, original purpose, was that man would have sovereign authority here on the earth in the same way that God has sovereign authority in heaven. Now remember, you're not God, we're not God. It's delegated authority from him. So when you use the name of Jesus, heaven backs you up. Right? So this is what we're talking about. Man was to exercise God's will using His God-given authority in order for you to exercise the will of God in your life You are going to have to learn how to exercise your God-given authority Nothing has ever changed Do you know how many believers don't even know they have authority? They've never been taught that Some have been taught you're a lowly worm and you just take what you're going to get And you know someday in the great by and by it's going to be wonderful in heaven Well, if you believe that, that's exactly what your life is going to be. You're going to get beat up your whole life. But praise God, at least you'll be in heaven. You're probably going to go there quicker than maybe you're supposed to. Because Satan's not out to play. He's out to steal, kill, and destroy. But he's a defeated foe. Most believe that God's will can only be accomplished if Satan is gone. This is a big thought process with this. If I could just get Satan out of my life, I could walk in the will of God. What's interesting about that is God looked at everything that he created, and it was good. He gave, and then he places Adam and Eve in the garden, and he's like, now you have dominion and you subdue the earth you literally satan was there that was not satan was not an issue they were to use the ability that god gave them the authority that god gave them to keep him at bay he was to be of no effect so don't think that oh man satan no no satan's not leaving He's going to be here. I'd like to say that he's never going to mess with you again. But you know what? He is. Hallelujah. God put man on the earth to have dominion in the presence of Satan. God's original intent was for man to exercise his God-given authority as an example Of God's victory over Satan. If you look at the Bible. Man I'm telling you. Your life is to literally be. A moment by moment. Event by event. Proof that God. Is the victorious one. And that Satan is the defeated one. Every time he sticks his head up. You are to resist him. But in order to do that, we have to be submitted to the Lord. But it's there. Satan became the god of this world system when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. But their delegated, the, Adam and Eve's delegated authority was transferred to Satan when they disobeyed the word of God. That statement right there Now, here's the way it works for us as Christians. When you disobey the word of God, you don't lose your authority. It's still there, but you'll never be able to walk in it. You'll never be able to exercise it. And Satan knows that. That's why he will throw thought after thought. He'll try to get you around wrong people. He'll try to get you out of a place where you're supposed to be into a place where you're not supposed to be, I'm telling you, if you want to walk in your authority, you better watch your associations. Because you won't be able to walk. Because see, when you walk, and we'll we'll talk about that, but your associations will lead you down a path to where you're unable to walk in your authority. you got to be careful what you hear, right? These things are all a part of it. So let's look at this. When Adam and Eve turned this over to Satan, you see, if you read the Old Testament, God worked from that point forward. Why? To accomplish his purpose in mankind to restore him to authority. You see it all through the Old Testament. He began to work with mankind for the purpose of restoring mankind back to authority, because that was always God's original intent. Now, we're talking about the Old Testament, so all that you read here is nothing compared to what you have. This should excite you. This should thrill you. And here's the thing, guys. You don't don't get this mentally. You have to get revelation knowledge of it. So, let's look at the first person. God cuts covenant with a guy named Abram, who later became Abraham, right? The curse was upon the earth. However, when God cut covenant with Abraham, God was able to make Abraham rich in the midst of the curse being on the earth. God blessed him with flocks, herds, silver, gold. God increased him in a miraculous way so that everybody around him could see that. It was interesting, Abimelech, if you ever remember that story, he made an alliance with Abraham. He had wives, but he was unable to have any children. We see Abraham, when God cut covenant with him, we see him exercising authority. He prayed for Abimelech, And Abimelech was healed and started was able to then have children. We see that exercise of authority. When God gives his instruction and makes a covenant with mankind through Abraham, you see Abraham beginning to exercise supernatural authority that he could have never had in himself. You see this in the Old Testament. God cuts covenant. But see, Abraham would have never been able to pray for Abimelech if he hadn't obeyed God. You always see he obeyed God in the body of Christ right now the number one reason why we're not seeing miracles the way we should why we're not seeing signs wonders miracles why people are not walking in dominion in their life is because of disobedience to the word I mean every every time every time you see this pattern this is huge let's look at Isaac Isaac operated in supernatural authority in Genesis 26, in a time of famine, he, he had a hundredfold increase in his crops. Could you imagine? In the middle of a desert, everybody's losing everything, but he obeyed God. He didn't go to Egypt like his, like his dad was told to go. He stayed he obeyed God, and God give, gave him a hundredfold return. Could you imagine? You have nothing but dust everywhere, and then you come up to Isaac's field, and it's, it's, it's producing a hundred times more than he normally produced. Wow. People recognized that God was with them because of the authority that he exercised in obedience to God's word. If you want to go by, see, here's the thing. If you're going to go by your feelings, if you're going to feel sorry for yourself, if you're going to let your emotions lead you and and lead and guide you into what you say, you're, you're never going to be able to walk out the path that God has for you we must come to a place where we submit ourselves to the word of God many don't want to hear this I think I'm talking to a bunch of people that want to hear this because this I mean think about that in your life right now your future it's bright do you know right now how many people are freaked out about the next wave of a virus we don't have to be freaked out about that Man, if that virus got you the first time, you need to stand up and go, it'll never get me again. No, 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 no. No virus ever, anymore, you know? No sickness, no disease, no poverty, no lack. That's right, that's right. Like Brother Hagin would say, don't shout me down because I'm preaching real good, right? Then you got Jacob. Look at Jacob. This is an interesting picture. He exercises authority. So, so who's Jacob. He tricks his brother Esau out of his birthright, right? Then he has to leave because Esau is going to just wipe him out. And he goes to work for his uncle Laban, who then tricks him. But Jacob supernaturally, you should read that story of how Jacob supernaturally prospered Why did he prosper? Because of Abraham's obedience. Well, we need to just thank God for Jacob's story because I'm telling you here, you can prosper because of Jesus's obedience. Don't let your disobedience and your past stop you. Draw a line in the sand and move. And, And as you're walking in your authority, if you ever mess up, there's a wonderful thing called repentance. And the minute you confess that sin before God, he, he wipes out the sin because it's already paid for. He wipes out that. He cleanses you from all unrighteousness and you are right back. We prosper as New Testament believers because of the obedience of Jesus. I love that. Obedience to God's word will always bring results. Well, now if you go to Exodus chapter 14, and go, go turn there, because we're going we're to kind of showcase Moses just a little bit. Exodus chapter 14. So Moses is a type of a New Testament believer. The staff that God sent him with, that he carried, remember he raised the staff and parted the Red Sea, all that stuff. The staff is a type of the name of Jesus. Well, why is Moses... We can't go into all of it. Moses spoke to God face to face. He was the friend of God. He was a type of a New Testament believer. So Moses goes to Pharaoh, and we're not going to read the whole story. I would encourage you to read it. It's amazing. But Moses goes to Pharaoh... And does what God tells him and says, Pharaoh, God says, let my people go. And 10 times, Moses goes and obeys God and tells Pharaoh what to do. Obedience to the word. Moses obeys the word of God, goes to Pharaoh, releases 10 plagues. Right? And and what do those 10 plagues, if you study the gods of Egypt... Every one of those plagues came against, it was in direct opposition to the gods of Egypt. Basically, God was saying he was showing everyone his greatness. Do you know God wants to show his greatness through your life? And he will if you'll obey him. Right? So it's interesting the, the plague that freed the children of Israel, though, was the 10th plague, which was the death of the firstborn son. Now, when you th- see, we don't understand this. we just like, yeah, man, you know, and, and we see, did God kill the firstborn? No. If you read the story, it says it in first person that that plague was the firstborn of all your cattle, all the animals, all the people will die. But then it, it, he tells the children of Israel, you put the blood of the Passover lamb on your doorposts, so when the destroyer comes, he won't come and kill the firstborn. But what we don't understand is this 10th plague. Do you know in the Egyptian culture and the, in the Egyptian mind that was impossible you can't kill the first son of Pharaoh because Pharaoh is God and you can't kill God's son are you starting to see a little bit of a parallel what freed you it was the death of God's son see the parallel here this is amazing Two points, or, and now we don't know, two, anywhere from two to seven million Jews left Egypt after eating the Passover lamb. They left Egypt, compl- there was not one feeble among them. That means if there's no missing body parts, if somebody lost a finger when they're building a pyramid, it grew back. If somebody lost an arm, if somebody, right, if somebody was old and weak, and could you imagine? Building a pyramid you'd probably wear out some discs in your back. You'd probably wear out some hip joints and some knee joints Right. I mean you could have a lot of problems, but when they ate the passover lamb not one of them left Egypt with any sickness any disease no weakness Did you ever see the original movie this great movie in hollywood's history of moses What does it show when they came out of Egypt? It shows this little man bent over, limping out of Egypt. No, that's demonic. It was never like that. And you think, you think that that's just a little thing, but it's not a little thing. Think of all the people that watched that and then went to church and they're told, man, you're just this lowly worm and, and, you know, and God heals some and not others. No, 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 no. Every one of them left healed, they left prosperous, and they left free. Have you received the Lamb of God? Then God's will for your life is that you be healed, that you be prosperous and that you be free it's never changed god never ever ever changes see now but this is interesting so moses if you study it out was raised in pharaoh's house as a military leader and the first thing he does is he leads the children of israel where god tells him to go He's leading the children of Israel into a valley. There's a mountain on one side, there's a mountain on the other, and the Red Sea's in front of them. No military leader would ever jeopardize a people in that position. But Moses led them right there. See, a lot of people read over this story and they never get the gist of it. And all of a sudden, now we have Pharaoh's army. Pharaoh gets ticked and he's like, wait a minute, no, I'm not letting these people go. We're gonna go kill them, right? Right? So now you've got a mountain here, you've got a mountain here, you've got the Red Sea here, and now you've got Pharaoh's army coming to kill you, behind you. And now let's talk about that. Hallelujah. Verse 13. So you've got mountain, mountain, Red Sea, Pharaoh's army, swords drawn, it's going to be a bloodbath. Moses said to the people, fear ye not. Why would he say that? Because never forget this. I would write this down in big letters. You cannot obey God if you're in fear. Obedience is always the key. You can never get God's word to work for you If you don't obey it, and you cannot obey it, you can't obey the word of God if you're in fear. And here's the good news, guys. God has not given you the spirit of fear. He's given you the spirit of power and of love, and that causes soundness of mind. Verse 14, look at Moses. Well, it says, Moses said to the people, fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again, no more forever. Wow, that sounds awesome. Then he keeps going, the Lord shall fight for you. Now get this, Moses is bold. Hey, these guys that are coming after us, you're never going to see them again. And then he's, he's explaining how it's going to happen. He goes, because the Lord is going to fight for you. Doesn't that sound awesome? Wow, the Lord is going to fight for you. And you shall hold your peace. So verse 13 and verse 14 is a picture of what happens today today when Satan trials, tries to steal what God has given you. This story, you, you live it. All of a sudden, you're in your life and you have no way out over here and no way out over here. You've got an inaccessible place over here and all of a sudden, you've been diagnosed with a tumor that's growing and it's stage four or your business is failing or all of these things are going wrong. And there is no way out. The number one thing that you have to realize when you get in that situation, and notice I didn't say if you get in that situation. Now, I'm not saying people are going to be diagnosed with deadly diseases, but you're going to be put in situations where in the natural, it doesn't seem like you can ever have what you really thought you were supposed to have. Whatever that is, it'll be different for every one of us. An event will happen that could change the course of your life and you could look at your future and say, I'll never be able to have or do what God has told me to do. Right? I remember in prison ministry, man, you'd minister to guys that were right there, hopeless. My life is over. I'm a Christian and I messed up and now I'm in jail. Do you know what that has to do with your future? It has nothing to do with your future. Because God, now you got to get this, God has already delivered you. In order to understand the authority of the believer, you have to understand these people that were standing at the Red Sea, they couldn't go right, they couldn't go left, they couldn't go forward. The most powerful army on the planet wants to kill them. They had to realize wait a minute, I'm already delivered they they already were delivered they came out of egypt you have to realize when you get in a battle the battle is already over remember i said this you got to get revelation of it satan is defeated If you don't, you're going to be trying to Oh man, I just got to do this and I got to do that And I got to quote scripture and I got And you're going to be doing it in your own strength With your own emotion And you can't fight Satan in your own strength You're no match for him that way But when you're strong in the Lord And in the power of his ability When you're submitted to the word of God You'll just simply resist him As the defeated foe that he is And he will flee Deliverance has already been accomplished. They left Egypt healthy, prosperous, and free. When we were born again, we left the kingdom of darkness, and we were transferred, Colossians says, into the kingdom of God's dear son. You're there right now. This illegal attack against your life, he's defeated, you've already been given the victory, that's the place that you have to come from in authority. I can't stress that enough. Pharaoh, who is a type of the devil, will try to take away the deliverance that was already accomplished. That's what Pharaoh was trying to do to the children of Israel. That's what Satan will try to do to you today. He will try to take away the deliverance that you already possess. The final plague that caused Pharaoh to let the children of Israel go was the plague of death of the firstborn, which is a type of Jesus. See, Moses, though, tells the people, the Lord will fight for you. That sounds really good right up until verse 15. When God literally rebukes Moses for praying that to him. I mean, it's, this is a crazy story. I mean, you got a bad situation, and he tells the people, man, the Lord will fight for you. Verse 15, and the Lord said to Moses, so the Lord... Moses had to be talking to the Lord about him fighting for them. But the Lord responds and says, and the Lord said to Moses, which is a type of a New Testament believer, Why in the world are you crying to me? Could you imagine? Do you know? But see... Think about it. Do you know how many believers are in the hospital, are are a mess financially, their kids are running wild, their whole life is a disaster, they see no way out, and they're crying to the Lord, why will you not help me? And God is up there going, I already did. Why are you crying to me? Doesn't that seem unfair? why do you cry to me what god you are actually rebuking moses from praying to you about this do you know what the biblical answer to that that is yes that's what god was doing we've got to get this oh man religion hates this there's people that'll hate me for preaching this So here it is. Moses. He he tells Moses to do this. Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. So now, now let's watch what God tells him to do. Moses exercised authority to get them free by obeying what the Lord told him to do. The Lord now tells Moses, go speak to the people that they may go forward. You will have to speak in order to go forward. You're going to have to speak to your mountain. You're going to have to speak to the Red Sea in order to go forward. You have to do it. Why? Because God delegated authority to you. You women might learn a few things about this at the women's conference, I wonder. Verse 16, and then God says, you tell the people to speak that they would go forward. And then he says in verse 16, but lift up your rod. What was the rod? The rod is a type of the name of Jesus. New Testament believer, speak so you could go forward. What do you speak? You speak in the name of Jesus. Stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. What? Moses, take what I gave you, stretch it over the Red Sea, and divide the Red Sea. I mean, think about that. Moses is like, I, I have no ability in myself to part a Red Sea. Right? Right? I couldn't even part (laughs) bathwater, right? I, I tried walking down the street on the sidewalk, God, and there was a puddle, and I said, part, and it never happened. I just, I can't do that. In other words, I can't do what you're telling me to do. Have you ever been in that situation? If you haven't, you will be. That's why this is written here. Moses had no physical or natural ability to part the Red Sea. Moses did not even perceive that he and himself had any supernatural ability to part the Red Sea. Moses doesn't seem to know that he has that authority until God speaks to him. And God will always speak to you in your storm. He'll tell you what to say. And your flesh won't want to say it because you'll want to feel sorry for yourself. You'll, you'll want to, you'll, your emotions will just be exploding. And that's where you got to rise up in your authority and tell those emotions you calm down. That's why before you go in the battle, you got to have the word in you so that you obey the word. This is, this is huge. This is where most of the church is right now. We have authority, but we don't know it. But most people, when they hear some of these messages, have you noticed about the messages? People either, I mean, it's amazing. A person will hear this message. I remember the first time I heard faith. Man, I was 17 years old, almost 18 years old. I had never heard anything like that in my life, and I ran to it. And now I'm 59 years old, and I'm still running faster and harder than I've ever ran. Other people run away from it, right? I remember years and years ago, first year of our church, we had there was a there was an older couple in our church, very affluent people, and just uh, the lady just was in massive pain in her back, and you know we used to give out this book by Copeland. He did it all for you. And she called me, and she said, Pastor, she said, man, we love the service, but I, I, I just, this, this healing thing, and I have questions about this book, and I told her, I said, okay. I said, man, I go, just, just highlight everything in that book that you have a question about, and I'll come and sit with you and your husband. And I went there and sat with them for three hours, and everything that they had a question about of what they had been taught in the church that they came to. I gave them three to five scriptures proving what, what that book said was true. And at the end of it, they were just so like, "Wow!" But they still chose to not walk in it. And and why is that? Because your environment. Every one of their friends. What do you do when going to that church? That's, those, that's that name it, claim it people, Haganites, Coplanite, right? All this stuff. No, 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 no. We're Jesusites. It's the word. See, it's obedience. You can't, if you don't submit to the word, you can't receive from it. Moses obeys and does what God says. He does the word. And verse 21, if you read the story, it says when Moses obeyed, it says in verse 21, God parted the seas. In the exact same way, when you curse sickness in your body, you don't have the natural ability to do it. But when you curse it in the name of Jesus, God removes it and curses it and and the healing process begins. When you speak, God backs that up he acts on what god says and things supernaturally change if you will start acting on what god says and this is the thing usually it's a christian that they're acting on a lot of what god says but there's one area that god's dealing with a person right could be forgiveness a lot of times it's honoring god in your finances you know what do you mean the first dime out of every dollar of increase, I have to give it to God. No, 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 no. That's not what the word says. You have to bring it to God because it's not yours to give. And so many Christians are are, are taking that tithe for their own life, and they're wondering why things are not moving where it's supposed to. And then there's a whole bunch of other Christians who they just happen to make enough money to have a decent life and they think they're blessed and they're missing so much and, they're, and they gotta be careful with disobedience because Satan will set you up, right? Oh, pastor, don't talk about money. People will get mad. They'll think all you want is their money. Don't care. I care about you. I'd love to tell you it doesn't work this way, but it does. It does. And we've all been there. Joshua exercised authority to stop the sun from going down. I'm not bright enough to understand all that. Maybe you could talk to Pastor Edwin about that after. (laughs) But the way I understand it, God would have had to stop the whole universe Can you imagine that? Joshua spoke to the sun and commanded it to be still. Wow. Elijah commanded it not to rain for three years, and it didn't rain, and then commanded it to rain. Wow. You see men and women in the Old Testament exercising authority over the laws of nature. You see the laws of nature being superseded. Leprosy, diseases healed. You see supernatural events happen because God has made a way for man to have authority in the earth once again. This is so important. Man lost his original authority by yielding and obeying Satan. Now now you got to get this part. You cannot walk in the authority that God has given you while you're listening to wrong people. You can't do it. You cannot walk in your authority by associating with wrong people. So, if you have notes, I would encourage you to write this Wrong associations equals wrong listening equals wrong obeying equals an inability for you to exercise authority wrong associations equals wrong listening which equals got it wrong obeying which will equal an inability for you to for you to walk inability for you to exercise authority. God's plan for man to exercise God's will on the earth through the delegated authority God gave him has never, ever, ever changed. It started in the garden, and it's never changed. The sacrifice of animal blood in the Old Testament brought man back into a place for, with God for a season so that he can walk this way. But that those sacrifices had to keep going because the blood of bulls and goats could only cover sin. They could never erase it. The only way to operate in authority is to be in obedience to God's word. So we're talking about exercising authority. You and I, each of us, will have to make a decision Am I going to believe and act upon the word of God or am I going to just stand and refuse to because of the way I feel, because of my circumstances? And I'm here to tell you, if you will not allow those emotions and those reasonings to pull you away from God, if you will get yourself right in the middle Man, if you're believing God for something, surround yourself with three or four people that you could call up and say, hey, I need you to tell me how blessed I am. I need you to tell me how healed I am. I need you to tell me how much I already have the victory. I need you, Leanne, I need you to tell me how literally Satan is already defeated. This is huge. James 4, 7, remember that scripture. Submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. So it is the exercise of authority that makes all the difference. Right? Let me read Luke chapter 10, verse 19 and 20 to you again. Behold, I give unto you delegated authority to have absolute mastery over serpents and and are on serpents and scorpions, and over all the ability of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you, notwithstanding, rejoice not restan- notwithstanding, in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Why am I saying this? Because there's going to be a natural tendency. This is our this is really for our church now. Because you understand some things about authority. There's going to be a natural tendency to exercise your authority by fighting. When people come up and I lay hands on them and I'm standing, I I don't heal anybody. It's the anointing of God. But I've got to be careful. I hate sickness and disease But I gotta be careful not to go too far to where I start to get emotional. And I start, and I start to try to, I can't help somebody if I'm laying hands on them in my own strength. I've gotta, yes, I hate sickness and disease. You know, I hate what what Satan does to people's bodies and what they what he does to their lives. However, I have to remain in a place of rest because He's defeated. That person who's coming up for healing is already, they've already been delivered. And Satan is a non-issue. So we rebuke Satan, we rebuke sickness and disease while we're at rest. Now this is, this is there's a fine line when I'm talking, so I want you to hear this. There's a natural tendency to, notice I said a natural tendency tendency this is the way the Lord spoke this to me to see the devil as your enemy and then act out to take him down you got to be careful is the devil your adversary yes but he's already been taken down there's a difference now get this, when the Lord spoke this to me, because literally, literally, I've never been a fighter, but I've been in a lot of fights. Never wanted to be in any of them, just my, it was my environment. But there's a difference between being in a fight and being a fighter. Don't let the fight that you are in turn you into a fighter. The fight's already been won. We see so much division in the body of Christ right now because people that have a national, you know, a national, or or I should say a worldwide platform are commanding that pastors man up and stand in your pulpits and preach against all these issues. But my Bible tells me to preach the word. And what burns in my heart as a pastor is that you be equipped to go into your world in the authority, the correct authority, so that what God calls you to do, you will be an instrument in his hand to where the enemy will be stopped. Oh, Satan hates America, but he can't have it. And I'm not going to look at natural circumstances to decide what I'm going to do. No, I, see, I already know, Satan, you're defeated. I already know that I have authority. So, man, I could do a lot of damage in prayer if I'm in the right place, submitted to God. And am I willing to stand in this pulpit... And say whatever God wants me to say. Absolutely. And God might call some of you to really get involved. I think we do. We need to, God will send people to get involved in politics. I think every one of us should vote. Every one of us should learn about what's going on. Because freedoms are being stripped. And the enemy right now, I'm telling you, the enemy thinks he's won, but he hasn't. And this is why this teaching is so important. Don't let the fight turn you into a fighter. The exercise of authority is not, boy, stay with me, because this next few minutes is so important. The exercise of authority is not fighting the devil to make him turn loose of something. From a natural standpoint, you're like, what, time out? No, no, no. Yes, it is, Pastor. No, it's not. The exercise of authority is simply the you enforcing the victory that has already been won. Satan, I'm not going to fight you and stand in my authority to get you to take your hands off my physical body. Nope. I'm going to stand and I'm going to tell you, you got to leave because I already have the victory. I already am the healed. So sickness, you got to leave. I'm not going to fight you. You're already defeated. Amen. The Bible just says resist the devil. How do you do that? Well, you just submit yourself to God. We, see, you got, and we're going to get more into this because we'll make this make a lot of sense to you. The Bible never tells us to fight the devil. The Bible tells us to fight the good fight of faith. Well, time out, Pastor. What about Ephesians 6? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Yes. How does that all start, though? Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We're going to look at that verse. It'll make total sense. The fight, the good fight of faith is this. It's to stand and it's to praise God for what he has already provided for you. Father, I thank you. In the midst of sickness and disease, I thank you that I'm healed. In the midst of of depression and anxiety and panic attacks, Father, I thank you that I'm free from depression and anxiety and panic attacks. You have already delivered me 2,000 years ago. I'm free from it. That's how you exercise your authority. And this is a fine line. We cannot get mad at the devil to the point we start to try to fight him in our own flesh and in our own strength. It's all all God. Right? 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal. That means they're not of human origin. But they are mighty through God to the pulling down, to the utter destruction of strongholds. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every obedience or every thought to the obedience of Christ. Wow. In other words, the spiritual weapon that we have is what has already been accomplished in Christ. This is how you walk in your authority. In other words now, I've said all that to say this. You guys doing okay? Authority is the exercise of the victory that has already been gained. It is simply a matter of knowing who has authority. You do. Satan doesn't. Authority works when you keep the emotion and the forcefulness of your flesh out of it. This is why you have to keep, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your body a living and holy sacrifice. Don't let your flesh guide you in anything because when, if you, if you start getting upset at situations in your life, when you have to stand in your authority, you're going to try to do that through the forcefulness of your flesh and it won't work. Wow. Because authority is the exercise of the victory that has already been gained. Have you ever noticed this? Satan always tells you what he's going to do you know why he does that? Because he's got to get your permission. He's trying to convince you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. This sickness, this disease that's in your body, I'm going to kill you with it. Why haven't you? Because you can't. And you could say that all you want, but you're never going to convince me that what's going on in my body is greater than what went on in the cross. You, in other words, guys, are the one who decides. It's not about you fighting the devil to get something or to keep something. It is the enforcement of that which has already been provided. So Charles Finney was probably one of the greatest uh, evangelists of our time, or of his time. And, and there was this guy named Father Nash, spirit-filled guy. I don't know I can't remember what, what denomination he was part of, but what he would do is he would go to Finney and say, "Can you tell me your schedule where you're going to go?" He wasn't on staff, he wasn't part of Finney's ministry, but two to three weeks before Finney would go, he would go to the city that Charles Finney was going to go and pray. Charles Finney started having such incredible results that he started going with Father Nash. And one time, when he, he just wanted to just pray with him. And Father Nash would just, he, you know, he'd be praying, praying in the Spirit, and then all of a sudden he would say things like this, Lord, you don't think that we're not going to have revival in this city, do you? And then he just ha ha ha, and he would just start laughing. And Charles Finney went to him and said, "Why? What is that?" And he go, and he goes, "Why did you do that?" It's almost like he's he's telling God, "God, you don't think." Well, Father Nash goes, "You know, I've never really done that before." But he goes, "It's like in prayer. Sometimes I feel like I hit a wall." And what he was doing is when he would, have you ever hit a wall in prayer? You're praying in the Spirit, you hit a wall, and then what happens is you'll start saying crazy things, maybe in the natural, like laughing or whatever. What you're doing is you're exercising authority. You're just laughing. (laughs) Satan, there's no way you're going to stop revival. That's, that's, That's prayer. It was amazing the results that Finney got. Let me say this in closing. Your healing, your prosperity, your freedom, your peace, everything has already been gained. It's already yours. You already own it. Enforcing that victory is the exercising of authority. Amen.